This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. If you work as a cybersecurity leader, you might have the sentiment that compliance sucks. The traditional manual requests such as screenshots, spreadsheets, long meetings with auditors, really it's not a great experience. But luckily there's ByteCheck, a platform designed to make compliance suck less. With ByteCheck, you can establish your security program, automate your readiness assessment, and complete your SOC 2 examination faster, all from one single platform. Built with a robust set of integrations that connect to apps you use every single day. The ByteCheck integrations eliminate traditional manual evidence requests. The ByteCheck platform is powered by the ByteCheck engine, which automatically assesses your controls against audit and security best practices. ByteCheck is founded by cybersecurity and accounting industry leaders with a combined experience of over 30 years. That knowledge is ingrained into the ByteCheck engine to provide you with a quality report that meets applicable standards. If you're in the market for a SOC 2, we have a special limited time offer for Hacker Valley Studio listeners. You can get 50% off their annual subscription to the ByteCheck platform and a free readiness report from the ByteCheck team. Reach out to ByteCheck at www.bytecheck.com and let them know Hacker Valley Studio sent you. This is a limited time offer, so get it while you can. This episode is a special treat. In this episode, we have the incredible Carol Terrio, co-host of the Smashing Security and Sticky Pickles podcast. And in this episode, we discuss her passion for being behind the mic, the impact of COVID during the holiday, and so, so much more. Without further ado, let's get right to this amazing episode. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again here in the studio. And we've brought in one of our favorite guests ever. We have Carol Terrio. She is the host of Smashing Security Podcasts the host of Sticky Pickles podcast, and also founder and director of her very own company, TikTok Social. Carol, we love listening to your podcast and all of your humor and wisdom and wanted to say thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Okay, I'm blushing, guys. I'm blushing. Like, seriously, that what an intro. Thank you for having me. I'm so pleased to be here. It's excellent. I'm looking forward to chatting. Carol, we've only spoken twice so far, but you are already one of my favorite people of all time. For the <laughs> bo- <laughs> you say for that the- to all the guests. I don't. Go back and listen. Uh, I'll wait. There's 105 of them, so uh, it might take you a minute. <laughs> for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, basically, I'm now in podcast land, and I work a lot in technology and IT security. So with my company, I work with people around the world, companies around the world that are trying to put together maybe a messaging or a campaign or a presentation, and they really want it to hit the mark. And I think my USP is talk to people like they're people. It's not actually a big secret. (laughs) 
But, you know, a lot of people try to talk to companies like they're this huge entity and they want to impress them with their big words and their big ideas. And I think that's completely wrong. I think the way to do it is to talk simply. So my company is all about trying to simplify the message and make it palatable for this world where we have like microseconds to offer any company. That's that's one thing I do. And then I I also do a few podcasts. So I do some podcasting for the Cyberwire Network in the US based up in Maryland. And I do some featured interviews for them. And I also have my own podcast, one that I share with my very good friend and frenemy, as I like to call him, Graham Cluley. <laughs> and I also do a podcast, another podcast called Sticky Pickles, which is not technology related at all. And I love it. It's my new little baby, like a kitten. I'm just (laughs) playing with it all the time. I love it. And that's kind of what I do. Other than yoga, make bread, paint, Mm. (laughs) other all kinds of stuff. I'm a busy girl. Sounds like it. How did you get into podcasting in the first place? I was working for security firm Sophos and I was being sent to the States for some like quarterly marketing meeting, blah, blah, something, something like that. And someone had told me to listen to podcasts from This American Life. I didn't even know what a podcast was. And they'd sent me a link. So it was literally very easy. I downloaded it and I listened to it on the plane ride over. And I totally fell in love. I fell in love with the production of it. I fell in love with Ira Glass. I fell in love with the story. It was about this couple that had decided to raise a monkey as an actual human baby and to see what Mm. would happen. And it did not go well. (laughs) (laughs) It really did not go well. They were two shrinks and it did not go well. But it was so, it was told like amazingly. And I came back to Sophos and I said, guys, we have to do a podcast. We have to do a podcast. So we did. And they still exist on the internet today these days. You can hear me first time green. And they are awful. I'm like interviewing the CTOs and the CEOs of my company and things like that. And I asked them like, so blah, 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 blah. And then they would answer the question and I would go, oh, interesting. And then I would ask (laughs) another question and then they would go blah, 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 blah. And I'd go, Oh, interesting. (laughs) There was no personality, nothing. So I got, that's how I got into it. And I stopped for a few years. And then when I got away from work, I started working for myself. It was the first thing I wanted to do. And it took me about a year to convince Graham to do it. But I was like, let's do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. Do you think we should do a podcast? Come on, let's do a podcast. And then finally acquiesced. And then, uh, and Smashing Security was born three years ago. Wow, that's incredible. And I just had the privilege and the honor to be on the show. I did want to ask, and if the answer is terrible, we can edit it out. How did I do? You know, I had some uh, performance anxiety. It it is a big deal for me because I remember in the really, really beginning stages of of the podcast, I was thinking, I was like, you know, there got to be great examples of security podcasts out there. And that's when I found yours. And I was like, wow, it would be incredible to one day be on this show because I've done so well in podcasting. And Ron and I, we've really, really put a lot of love, time and attention into this. So yeah, I would love to hear like your thoughts of, of having somebody from the Hacker Valley studio on your show. Okay, well, it was amazing for a number of reasons, okay? One, you have an excellent, excellent radio voice. Both of you do. Oh, thank you. Just listen to your (laughs) intro, right? And you know, I'll tell you something that happened when you came on the show. So remember when you came on the show and I was like, you said you were into dancing at one point. We'll we'll talk about that later. But you mentioned that to me. You mentioned that just the beginning of when we were recording. And I said... 
funk right away. And you know why I said that? Because I listened to your show and I thought, God, his music at the beginning of the show is just (laughs) frick. It's slick. Like it's done. It's boom. And I just was just listening again, right? Just before the show. So I knew from the music, I knew from the music. So you have an excellent voice. You know radio technique. And that is a problem that we have with guests, isn't it? I mean, some people are, it's a bit like having a teacher who really knows their stuff but doesn't know how to teach. You know, sometimes Mm. that happens with guests. You've got people that you know they just have the best things to say, but if they don't have adequate mic technique and all that, it can be complicated. I think that's one great, there's a silver lining from the 2020 fiasco that we are living in as we speak, is that more and more people are getting used to Zoom and online calls and are probably getting much better at, at speaking well. It might make our podcast guesting much easier. So you were a dream, right? You've got your podcast king, you have a great voice, and you're, st- you know, you you have a great laugh, not like Graham who laughs like Muttley, <laughs> right? <laughs> he does. He, he does, does laugh like Muttley. It, it's so endearing, though. I do love it. My I love like- when <laughs> I love when I say something and I start to hear. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did it. (laughs) I was wondering who that was on that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My mom says of him, my my dad's a a doctor, now retired, but he's always like, is he dying? I think he must be dying. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things that you brought up was the fact that Chris was able to communicate well and he has a great voice. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people struggle with in general is communicating and finding a way to teach people and highlight themselves as the star. We have all of these great platforms. We have LinkedIn, we have podcasts now, and it seems like it's still people come up a little short on highlighting themselves as a star. But I think one of the things that you and Graham do very well is highlighting your guests as a star and kind of taking that pressure off of them. What are some of the the best techniques that you've run across that really help you highlight people like Chris on the podcast? I think, honestly, one of the reasons is because it's our own shindig, right? There's a lot of podcasts out there that are funded by companies. Because companies, you know, if you think back 10, 15 years, the blog, you know, when blogs came out and then suddenly it's like, our company has a blog. Does your company have a blog? Yeah, we have a blog. Everyone has a blog, (laughs) right? So I think that's where we are at now with podcasts. Everyone has a podcast. And it's a wild west of podcasts. Like, you know, when you're at the end of your listening list, for example, and you want something new and a particular style of podcast that you might have, you know, like if it's sports or if it's audio dramas, doesn't matter. And it's hard to find, right? It's hard to find recommendations. So I don't know. I think, I can't even remember the question, honestly. I just blanked. (laughs) (laughs) All good. I was asking, how do you take that pressure off your guests? Maybe oh, I'm yes. adding a little too much pressure on you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I was adding pressure on myself. So I think when you work for companies and you do this, there's all these expectations and these metrics and these things that make you feel anxious. And you might be having to interview someone who's more senior than you. And they can have, you know, if you screw up, they have a direct say in what your bonus might be. So mm-hmm. we don't have to deal with any of that, right? So that's one. And two, we want to have fun. Our whole thing is about being a light look at this. So many people talk about security like it's doom and gloom and it's the end of the world as we know it. And yet we're still inviting loads of tech in our house. So no one's not having IoT in every single room because we're doing the doom and gloom message. Rather, why don't we talk about it and laugh about it a bit and then 
give away a few tips that can maybe a few listeners will go, oh, you know what? I can put a password on my phone that's actually longer than one, two, three, four, right? Or maybe I should change my password from saying password. Maybe that's not as clever. Right. One thing I wondered about your show is how do you choose your your articles? As cybersecurity professionals, folks are always looking on the newsletters, they're looking at Twitter, they're looking at all the publications out there that exist. How do you decide which to bring on to your show? Because I think it's interesting because folks can get drowned in the amount of noise that is out there in the world and even in cybersecurity. So how do you find that signal in the noise for yourself? I think that comes sheerly from just experience, you know, because when I used to work at Sophos, I was editor-in-chief of Naked Security, which was their blog. And at the time, at the time, it was a real kick in blog. We were, I guess it was eight years ago, 10 years ago, we were getting a million visits a month. And for mm, wow. a corporate blog, that's incredible. And I used to we, use it. Yeah. And one of the reasons we had that was it was an excellent platform for Graham to tap dance. And he was a machine that could write two to three stories every single day. Uh, Yeah, for real. And people used to think that he had other writers that were ghostwriting for him. He did not. (laughs) He did not. And then we had other writers like Paul Ducklin and, you know, what Mark Stockley. We had loads of people. So when you have to find stories and improve stories for a bunch of writers every single day for years, you get really good at seeing the click jacks, seeing the empty stories and seeing the good stories. And you just develop a nose. Now, is my nose great? I don't know, but I know what stories I like to tell and I know what stories fit within my comfort zone and I now know where to go. So I think people should trust their instincts. You know, if you're in this world and you're, you're in the tech world and it's new and you're thinking, God, it's so huge. Yeah. You're right. It's huge, right? Just so yeah. to take a sniff, take a pause and see what smell you like best. Like which one smells of strawberries, right? Go that way because there's lots to learn and you might end up in one of those fields that you hate. I had a friend who was working in the labs and his job was to go through the spam filter to see all the obscene content that was being displayed to make sure that we weren't having any false positives. Can you imagine having to humanly look at just disgusting images day in, day out and actually say approve, approve, approve? It's a Mm -hmm. hard job and it's not for everybody, right? So there's lots of different roles and people just have to be able to know what you're good at and what feels good and go down that route because I swear to God, the world's huge in technology. I was doing a bit of research on you and Graham months ago when Graham was originally on the podcast, and I just refreshed my memory before we jumped on, and I saw that you and Graham, you you all published thousands of blog posts, and that's mm-hmm. really crazy. I can only imagine publishing 100. I've kind of struggled with that myself. And one of the best parts is when you and Graham left, you decided to start a podcast together, which... Mm-hmm really suits your your expertise. You all are entertaining and and I love to enjoy the podcast. What did it take for you all to leave Sophos and start your own venture, like a podcast on your own? Almost, I think I would say for my sake, almost having a breakdown is probably what got me out of there. I uh, had taken on too much and we had changed, the company had changed a lot in the years, right? I'd been there for 15 years. So at the 15th year, the company had grown immeasurably. We had a lot of investors involved in the company and there was a lot of different policies and procedures that were being introduced that 
didn't sit well with me and didn't feel right. And I wrestled with that a lot because I kind of grew up at that company. So like almost like a culty, you know, I was kind of really dedicated to what it had created and what it meant to me, but it also had changed and it wasn't no longer that thing. So it took me a year to wrestle through that. At the end of it, it was my husband that got me out of it once because he just said to me, he said three, he said three sentences to me. He goes, you're not happy. You're not sleeping. It's not good for you. And Mm. even though they were throwing much better, it's amazing the financial packages a company will throw at you (laughs) when you, when you're really serious about leaving if they don't want you to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, it didn't matter. Like I needed to get out. Everything in my body said, get out. And we, I think we all get there at some time in our lives, right? That moment where you're just like, this is, you know, what if relationships, you know, bosses, friends, it's just like, this isn't good for me anymore. So I started on my own thing and it took me a lot. I had my own company. Graham decided to leave the same day. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He did that. Like after I left, he decided he was going to go. And then we decided to do it the same day. And we had our leaving party together. and It was excellent. We had an amazing time in an old Greek Orthodox church that had turned into a bar. I know. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) What a story. (laughs) It was a great party. I won't tell you what happened at it. There was a few embarrassing, outrageous things not to do with me or Graham, but few of our guests. Oh, my God. But yeah, the adventure started and it was really hard starting your own company. I'll tell you, that's it's a big one year commitment of learning the lingo and doing all that. But once we kind of bedded that down for ourselves, we then thought, you know what, maybe we can get a podcast going as well. And uh, that's how it was born. You know, as you're telling that story, one thing that we talk about quite often on our podcast is stepping into your own personal power. I have to say, you know, doing this, being able to speak on a mic and have folks listen all around the world to my voice and share the voices of others, it's incredible. And it gives you a type of confidence that I don't think you can get many other places. Mm -hmm. Like you were mentioning the whole corporate podcast aspect Mm -hmm. of it. And, you know, you're talking to the boss. And so there's tension, there's nervousness there. Mm -hmm. We just launched a podcast for our company, Marketa, and we talked to the CEO, but it was just like having another guest on the show. Like, oh, I, that's I didn't, so nice. Yeah. We didn't have to feel like, you know, oh, we got to, we got to, you know, impress them. We have to, you know, make them sound. This. It, it was just talking to another person because being able to talk to somebody, no matter who they are, I think is an ability that people have to cultivate and you have to work on because there's that initial nervousness when you talk to anybody. And as that, if you look up the quote unquote social ladder, then that nervousness seems to compound. I'm not going to lie. If I had to talk to Barack Obama, I would be deathly afraid. <laughs> Oh but my I think God, he's probably, I wouldn't. I'd be so excited. I'd be excited and nervous to death because I don't. I want Barack Obama to think I'm cool so bad that I would just mess it up. But seriously, when you felt like you could step into that power and now you're starting to play around with the medium with Sticky Pickles, tell us what <laughs> that feels like. See, I've always loved radio, right? Even when I was a kid, I'm embarrassed. I haven't actually said this on air, what show I used to listen to as a kid. Right. But there is a show, a radio kind of call in show. One day I'll come clean on what it was. Uh, I, I know. I know. I know that's that's dirty. I know that was dirty. <laughs> I just, <laughs> but there is this show and it used to play every day. And we it was an American kind of talk radio show. And I was obsessed. Like people were calling in and this person, she hint, was answering these questions. Right. And giving them advice and all this kind of stuff. 
And I just was obsessed with the format of it. I love that it wasn't TV. I thought TV was awful because I the idea of having to go through makeup and, you know, oh, every time I had to do that when I used to do a corporate job, I'd do video stuff. And then, you know, and you get these makeup artists slapping all that crap on your face and like, oh, no, this makes you look green, makes you look green. And they've got this blue eyeshadow and shiny lipstick. And I don't know, just stuff that isn't you. You just feel like right. a fraud. Mm-hmm. And I I hate that feeling. And so I've always loved radio because it allows you to be who you are. And it made me laugh all these years. People keep going on about brand. Like, what's your personal brand? You know, what's your brand? How are you maximizing your brand? And I'm thinking by being me, right? <laughs> like, really, that's it. All I got to do is be me. And some people are going to say, wow, she's fun. And I'm going to listen to her. And some people are going to go, she's not for me. And they won't listen to me. And that's it. Like, it's just... It's an easy ask. Just be true to yourself and just be. That's so true. And one of the things that I've kind of experienced over time, and especially during the lockdown, is how to be me on different mediums. Like at first, I would go to conferences a lot and have an opportunity to reach out to people and listeners there. But now being locked down, it's all through Zoom, heavily focused on podcasting and more video. Have you been able to still step into your personal power now that the world is changing and we're going through such a digital transformation, is it easier or do you find it a little bit harder? <laughs> I think, I don't know what, I don't, personal power is a new term for me and it's hard for me to kind of, I don't know, to understand. No, I think probably because I feel most comfortable behind a mic. Like I do events, right? So pre-COVID, you know, clients would call you and go, can you come and do this event? Can you come and do this talk? Can you talk to us about, you know, why security is this or that? And I'd love doing all those things. I love doing those events. I miss traveling a little bit and seeing new places and meeting with new clients, of course. But I think I am one of those lucky, lucky people because I had started a company that's from my home pre-COVID and I was already comfy with the fact that I was working from home and we have a setup at home that works well. So we have offices set up, you know, far away from each other. (laughs) No, but it is important because I'm on the phone and doing radio all the time. And I realized recently that my mom, my mom and I speak on the phone maybe three, four times a week, something like that, which is, you know, because she lives in Canada, I live in the UK. I realized recently she's getting quite bored of my phone calls. And it's because she's been listening to my podcast. So I think think I never realized that I could actually use the podcast as a way, right? So I can just pull back a little bit and maybe call twice a week and uh, Mm -hmm. it'll all be perfect. So there's lots of weird things about that. So yeah, I think I've coped very well with it. But do I miss people? Oh my God, yes. Do I miss hanging out and touching people and having gossips with girlfriends in the you know around the corner where we're, I'm having a cheeky cigarette occasionally? Yes, <laughs> of course I miss all that. It drives me nuts. I think we're all okay, but not okay. Mm, such a good point. And I, I'm ready for everything to kind of return back to normal. I know everyone's going through a tough time right now uh, around the world as things kind of start to ramp up. And it's the holidays, which is is unfortunate because there's a lot of folks that want to go see family and they want to travel and be with friends and, and people that they care about. But a lot of people aren't able to do it. But some people are going to take that chance. And, and I hope they are as safe as possible when they do. But the holidays are are an important time for a lot of people all over the place. How are you best preparing for the holidays? Well, we can't. I um, was talking to family just yesterday about that. And we both decided, you know, both on the call, we were saying, well, let's just see. 
So I actually pre-ordered the smallest turkey I could. (laughs) Mm. I did. And I just think if it's going to be just the two of us, then we're going to have to eat eight to 10 servings of turkey over a period of a week. And if we are more then okay, like, so in the UK, we've been in lockdown since the beginning of just right after Halloween. So since Halloween, it's been serious, serious lockdown across, you know, across a number of countries in Europe. So in the point where you can't even walk outside with only one, two people from different households can walk at a time together. Like that's how bad it is at the moment. So, and the idea is hopefully we can make it much more amenable for the Christmas holidays. So at least maybe a few households can get together. I think what's hard is some people are taking it very seriously. I'm one of those. I'm in that camp of like, please, let's try and beat this before it beats us. But people are tired and I don't blame them. They're tired of wearing masks. They're tired of not hugging. They're tired. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. And especially, you know, for me, I'm, I just moved to Texas and so did Chris. So we're even further away from family. So it's kind of hard to, you know, not have that physical yeah. touch, to give a hug and all of that. Are you guys in each other's bubble? We aren't. Chris is in Dallas. I'm in Austin. Yeah. I've never, I've been to Dallas, but I've never been to Austin. And I've always been told that Austin is the best city in Texas. Is that true? Would you both agree? Or Chris, are you going to say, no way? <laughs> I, I got neighbors. I can't be like, oh yeah, Dallas sucks. <laughs> All of a sudden I hear banging on my door. <laughs> exactly. You Austin have is great. Yeah, Austin is great. I, the one thing I remember very much about Dallas is there's a hotel or something where they have all these fountains outside near the Hilton or something near the outskirts of right near the center. Anyway, there's like a million fountains all around this building and you can walk around. There's like a hundred of them all in a kind of area around the building. Do you know what I mean, Chris? Have you seen this? Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love it. I think that's the spies network. That's where you can go have a phone call that will never be eavesdropped. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually moved to Austin because I was like, oh, man, it's a tech bed. There's going to be so many opportunities to meet up with people. But then COVID happened. So not really an opportunity to meet with people. But one of the the best things about that happened during COVID was the opportunity to meet new people like yourself. We've had amazing guests on the podcast that might be too busy traveling, hosting other events. But since the lockdown, we're able to have a lot more conversations. Mm, that's true, actually. We are having a very exciting guest. Well, almost exciting is having Chris on. Almost. <laughs> Thank um, you. Ron, you'll have to come on sometime. I would be honored to come on yeah? the podcast. Do you want to be a guest on 2021? Yes. Okay. Yes, please. Done. Done. <laughs> Done. So we have Tim Hartford coming over, and he probably doesn't mean anything to you because you guys are state-bound, but he is a BBC journalist who does this podcast called More or Less, and mm. it is my husband's absolute favorite podcast in the world. It's a lot of people's favorite podcast. It kind of takes news items or math that it might have been shown in the news and dissects it and tells you whether or not it's on point or not. And it turns out that often it's not on point, usually due to human error or rounding up gently that actually has a humongous impact. But it is just a wonderful podcast. So I can't believe I'm so excited he's coming on because hearing his voice, you know one of those voices you hear so often in your house that you feel <laughs> they're like a famous voice and then suddenly they're just talking to you? That's what I'm going to have tomorrow with him. It's just going to be weird. You're going to be like, hey, Tim. And he's going to yeah. be like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh my God, it's you. Oh my God. 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, speaking of that and having someone from BBC on your podcast, and we also listened to the one with Gary Kasparov Uh, and even people outside of cyber security and technology. How do you kind of pick those types of guests to come on your podcast and stay on the topic of smashing security? Oh, I don't mind about them staying on the topic of this talk. You know, I think they're doing us a huge service, right? When you get a guest that comes on the show, ideally what we look for is people where it will be a win-win, right? We want to have a good guest that's going to have a good time and enjoy how we do the show. And we want guests to think, hey, I've got, this is good for me to be on the show because I have something to promote or I want to be on radio or whatever reason, doesn't matter. So finding that week in, week out is, I'm not going to lie, hard. I learned recently, you know, these shows, do you have Trisha? Is that a show that you have in the States? Or you have these Phil Donahue, that kind of thing, Geraldo, you know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, the show stuff. So there was this one here called Trisha. And anyway, I I remember reading that it turned out that all those people that were coming on the couch every day weren't people begging to be on. It was people that, you know, the underlings were calling desperately, trying to get people on and begging them to come on with money. Like finding guests to be on shows, my point is, is it's really, really difficult. And when you get one that, you know, like wants to be on and has fun is fantastic. We've obviously gotten better at it over the years because we've built a reputation of being hopefully nice to our guests (laughs) and have a good time with our guests. And so people like to come on again, which we encourage and we love. But it's difficult at first because you've got to find people. I'm doing that with Sticky Pickles now. Unfortunately, Anna has decided, Anna's having a baby. My original host, my co-host, for the show is having a baby Congrats. which is like yeah i know so exciting but very sad and i'll tell you it's like being broken up with i was just was speaking to her earlier today and i said it's a bit like it's a bit like you know we're dating everything's going great and i'm thinking well this could be the one and then she says to you i'm sorry i'm sorry i've got to go it's not you it's me and then you so you can't blame them And then you're kind of dating someone else who's super, super nice, but you haven't yet, you know, settled, you know, so I'm in that situation right now. Yeah, you're you're in love, and then all of a sudden she's pregnant and having a baby. That's, yeah, that's it's what like, happened. Who is the guy? <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask how long you guys have known each other? Woof! Since 2015. Okay, so good five years. I mean, solid friends. Then that's a solid relationship. We spent a lot of time together, like more than I'd say most people do, you know, with the podcast and we lived together for a little bit. So a lot of, a lot of time spent. Yeah. Yeah. The the real synergy comes from Chris living with me for about three months when his family was still in the process of moving. Oh, and he was living in your house. Mm -hmm. Yep. Are you guys good? How did it work out being flatmates? It worked out great. I just never touched the kitchen. I never <laughs> went in there. I didn't store food in the refrigerator. I didn't use Why? a dish Why? because I, I wanted to be good. And I, I know sometimes I can be forgetful because I'm always moving a million miles an hour. And I didn't want to leave a plate on the counter and have Ron be like, I should have never had him come in this house. So I was like, I'm just going to leave the kitchen alone because none of the mess that I was ever... Did you, did you have a microwave in your room and a, a lot of pot noodles or...? Uh, I usually ate at work because I was working on Netflix. Yeah. And, and, you know, you get free lunch and free breakfast and they had like a little ramen machine as well. So I just lived off of that and then, uh, fasted to the next day. (laughs) Wow. Ron, did you know this about him? I did. I was like, Hey Chris, you know, you want to, you know, eat dinner tonight? He's like, Nope. 
I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, wow. Oh. It felt a little offensive at first, but I just realized. Really? You were offended? I didn't know that. Well, you when told me. <laughs> no, I, it <laughs> felt offensive. It wasn't actually offending. But Chris was bettering himself. He was fasting to, you know, stay in shape and make sure that he looked great for his family when they arrived. So they're not like, hey, Chris, you know, you've been partying for the past three months at Ron's house. <laughs> you look like an ice cream cone, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. That must be really stressful, though, being away from your family, too, for that long. There's a yeah, l- it was. And yeah. I wanted to squeeze every, like, last drop out of being able to be productive and efficient. So we started the show and we were waking up at like 4 a.m. going to the gym. And I didn't want to waste any time. I didn't want to, you know, waste all the time that I was away from my family. I wanted to have something to show for it. And luckily we have this this beautiful show that we have here. One thing I did want to ask you, Carol, is for the folks out there, there's so many people starting podcasts right now. What piece of advice would you have to the folks out there that put that first episode out there and they get one or two listens and it's them and their co-host and they feel a little discouraged about mm-hmm. doing the podcast. What what piece of advice would you have for folks? I say look at podcasts like you would any sort of art form. Would you go and stand in front of the class and draw a bunny rabbit had you never practiced drawing a bunny rabbit in your freaking life? No, you would practice like mad at home. And then you'd put it out. So a lot of people that if you have a computer, if you're thinking about podcasting, you obviously have a way of recording yourself privately at home, right? So have a crack. Just go. Just make up a scenario and go for it. Pretend you're a radio DJ. Pretend you're presenting someone. Pretend you're a host of a podcast. And then listen to yourself. And it's horrible. It's a bit like, you know, in the old days, I'm dating myself here, but you know, answer phone messages. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. And you'd listen mm-hmm. to your voice when you'd hear it again on the tape or whatever. You'd be like, oh, my God, my voice. Oh, my God. Okay, you have to get <laughs> over that. You get over that. It takes time to get over that. But you just have to, like, keep going at it. And if you do that every day and you listen and you force yourself to listen to it and you go, oh, you know what? I every time I'm about to say a sentence, that's not a good habit to have in a mic. So you'll learn, it's like an art form. You will learn how to control your voice, control how you put your sentences together, learn what your tics are. Like I talk with my hands naturally all the time. I used to go to parties, I would knock over glasses of water and wine and everything (laughs) because I was always like very animated. And I've learned to sit on my hands. But I learned that through time. So that's what I would do first. Do that. And once you're comfortable listening to your voice, because when you're editing, that's what you're hearing all the time is your voice going, and if you can't stand it, it ain't going to be very much fun. (laughs) Very true. And as we enter the the holiday season, we haven't talked much about cybersecurity in this episode. Do you have a, a cybersecurity tip for folks this holiday season? Well, interesting, right? Because a lot of us are going to be looking to buying presents. And because of the world as it is today, it's probably going to be online more than any other year previous, don't you guys think? Very true. Right? And a lot of people are going to go make Jeff Bezos even richer, (laughs) even richer, (laughs) by buying at the one-stop shop that he's created to ruin all their shops. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I buy from Amazon. I buy from Amazon. We all do. But I try really, really hard only to buy from Amazon when I can't find something locally from a shop right. I trust. I really try hard. It's difficult, but there you go. So a lot of people have also these Amazon voice assistants, Alexas, Echoes in their house, don't they? 
And let's say they've gone and bought the brand new Raspberry Pi 400. Is that what it's called? Have you seen this thing? This is hot. This is the hot ticket for kids this year. I'm not kidding. Let me just get the, yeah, it's called the Raspberry Pi 400. It Mm. is, it is, I think it's going to take down because it costs hardly anything. And it's basically like the ZX Spectrum. It's like kind of computer inside the keyboard. And then you have all the plug sockets on the keyboards. You can plug it into any screen. And you can download pre-programs. You can actually do programming on it. I mean, it's Linux, so it can't really get infected easily. It's a, just a genius piece of kit. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, so people are going to be buying all this stuff on Amazon, and people get updates, don't they, on mm. their Amazon saying, your gift is on its way. So what happens if little Timmy happens to be in the room, and it says, your new Nintendo Switch will be arriving this afternoon, right. or right, or the new PlayStation 5, or whatever you decide to purchase. So... A good thing to do if you're going to start buying Christmas present is to turn, get your Alexa set up. And I'll even tell you how to do it, okay? So you want to open up Alexa on your phone. You want to tap the settings options. You want to go to choose notifications, which is underneath settings. And then you select Amazon shopping, okay? And in there, uncheck the box that says for items in delivery updates under the section Alexa say or show titles for items you've ordered. Okay, so it's pretty clear what you need to do. And that way, little Timmy and little Sarah won't know what they're getting for Christmas. (laughs) So there's my top Christmas tip. Fantastic. That's brilliant. I hope a lot of people are going to take that into consideration before it gets too close to the holiday. Carol, thank you so much for hopping on the mics with us. Sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, for folks that want to stay up to date with you, Sticky Pickles, Smashing Security, what are the best ways that people can do that? Well, you can, on Twitter, you can find me at Smashing Security. That's Smashing without the G because Twitter wouldn't let us have the G. It's too long a word. And you can also find me on Twitter at, at Carol Terrio. That's T H E R I A U L T. Don't ask. Ask my parents. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate it, Carol. Thank you so much. We'll be sure to drop all that information into the show notes. I'd highly recommend everyone to check out both of your podcasts. Um, and we will see everyone next time. Thank you so much for having me, boys. If you found value in this content, we would really appreciate it if you shared it on your social network share it with a friend via email or talked about it over coffee. 